In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This week's lesson is called a catechism story because it's often associated with the Lord's Prayer, but we use it also as a church year story for the third Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord, which covers Matthew 8, 1 through 13, but for our Sunday school or family prayer for children, Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13, Jesus heals the centurion's servant. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Using this particular gospel reading uh, as one of the church year stories, on the very Sunday that we hear in Epiphany, Jesus healing the centurion servant reveals to us the power of God's word and the promise of the gospel that the seed of Abraham is for all the nations. So here in this particular story, the centurion, he is a Roman, which means he's a Gentile. He is an officer, a commander of a hundred troops, and his servant is paralyzed, dreadfully tormented, lying at home in his, in his house. Jesus shows himself to be the savior of all mankind by saying, I will come and heal him. And now this epiphany, we see the centurion's faith is not only singularly focused in the word of Christ as the word of God that carries with it the power of salvation, but as a Gentile, we see in what transpires next that this Gentile centurion believed the promise that God had made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that in Abraham's seed, not just Israel, not just the Jews, but all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It is why Jesus says at the end of the account, I have not seen such great faith, not even in Israel. So the centurion said to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. 
but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He confesses two things in verse 8. First, that he is an unworthy sinner. He is not deserving of the Lord Jesus' salvation in the slightest. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But secondly, his faith is entirely in Christ's word. And so we learn from this example exactly the nature of Christian faith. The object of our faith is Christ and his word. And there is no other object of faith. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. I think it's important to note that wherever there is Christian faith in Christ and his word, that faith is always concerned about the spiritual welfare of others. And so this centurion is pleading on behalf of his servant who is lying at home, paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. So speak a word and my servant will be healed. And then the centurion gives us a little homily, a devotion, a sermon, if you will, on the power of God's word, and he is spot on. He compares it to himself as a centurion officer in the Roman army. I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. It is as if the centurion were saying, if my word as an officer in the Roman army has the power to make things happen, how much more does your word? That's why Jesus responds. When he heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, drawing their attention to the nature of true faith, and it's not a Jew, it's a Gentile. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And why is this faith great? It's great not as an act of believing in itself, but it is great because the singular object of his faith is Christ and his word. Everything depends upon the word of Jesus. That's what the centurion is confessing. I trust in nothing but Christ and his word. So Jesus says, I say to you that many will come from east and west. That is, many will be called to faith. Many will come from all over the world, from every tribe and nation and people. Many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. A great picture, not only of the church, made up of every tribe and nation of people on the face of the earth, but the church and the call to repentance and faith in Jesus as a fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham that in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. When in verse 12 Jesus says, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, he's talking about what we might call the so-called sons of the kingdom or put sons in the kingdom of the kingdom in quotation marks. They're not really sons of the kingdom. They may be biological descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They may have practiced the Old Testament ceremonial law, but without repentance and faith, they are no true sons of the kingdom. For the true sons of the kingdom are those who are not bloodline descendants of Abraham, but those who are of faith, like the centurion and countless others from every tribe and nation who hear the call of the gospel and believe. And so he promises condemnation and judgment for those who in impenitence 
and stubborn, self-righteous unbelief have rejected him, his word, and the promise of the gospel made to Abraham. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then verse 13 concludes, Jesus said to the centurion, because he had preached to the multitudes, to the crowd, seeing the centurion confess his faith in Christ and in, his, in, and in his word, he wanted to commend the centurion to them because in the centurion's faith, we see the nature of true faith. It is revealed to them. There's an epiphany about faith. Then he turns to the centurion and says, go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. Notice the certainty of God's word. Uh, this is one of the reasons why this reading is often used as a catechism story uh, for the Lord's Prayer. Every petition of the Lord's Prayer is God's word first, coming from Jesus to us. Prayer is the voice of faith, like this centurion that claimed the promise of God, latched a hold of that word, and demanded that God do what he says, because God does not lie. Just like the centurion is a man under authority, when he says, go, people go. When he says, do this, people do it. So also, when Jesus speaks his word, his word delivers all of the blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation of which it speaks. And what happened? Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So this man's faith is great because the object of his faith is Christ and his word. So what do we learn? Number one, Jesus is the Savior of all people. The promise made to Abraham is the promise of the gospel for all nations. Number two, no one deserves the gift of salvation. We are unworthy sinners, every one of us. And so the centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Number three, Jesus' word alone has the power to save but that is of inestimable comfort. As we see in this man, he latched on to Jesus' word. You speak a word, and it will be done. Number four, to be a Christian, therefore, is to trust in Jesus' word more than anything else. To believe in Jesus is to trust in his word above all things. He is the Savior of all people both Jew and Gentile alike. No one deserves the gift of salvation. We are all unworthy sinners for whom Jesus died upon the cross. Those who reject Jesus and his word and who do not believe that they are sinners who need his salvation are cast off into outer darkness. Not because Jesus hasn't died for them, he has, but because they do not want him and they reject him in impenitence, unbelief, and self-righteousness. The Gentile centurion comes to Jesus because he believes in him, a faith created in his heart by the word itself. He confesses his sins and his unworthiness, and he clings to Jesus' word alone as the source of forgiveness, life, and salvation for himself and for his paralyzed and tormented servant. This is the faith that Jesus commends at the end of the story. As a military commander, the centurion's orders had the power to cause his soldiers to do exactly what he said. In the same way, Jesus' word has the power to save. By using this example, it is as if the centurion was confessing. 
If my commands have the power to cause my soldiers to act, then how much more does your word, O Lord, have the power to heal and to save? To believe in Jesus is to trust in his word. It is by his word that he comes to us. It is by his word that he calls us to faith. It is by his word that he forgives our sins and gives us every gift of salvation. His word is a word of grace and forgiveness. We don't deserve it, but in love for us, he wants us to receive it. That's what the centurion believed. This is why Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Though he was an unworthy Gentile sinner, yet the centurion, by the grace of God, came to believe that Jesus was his Savior and the Savior of all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that by his word, Jesus comes to us with the gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. As the centurion believed in Jesus' word above all things, give us firm faith in our Savior's word so that we might know the certainty and the comfort of eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.